It is awesome to be with you this evening, and what a cracking day we've had at church. We had two baptisms this morning, a baptism this evening. It is so cool to see the work that God is doing. I want to extend my own very warm welcome to you. It is fantastic to have you with us this evening. Please, if you've got time, stick around for dinner afterwards. We'd love to connect with you. Now, I think I'm about to make a lot of enemies here. But did you know there is only four months until we are in 2024? Yeah, that was my reaction too. Terrifying. Which means, even more terrifyingly, that there are only 19 weeks till Christmas. Yeah, you just felt that groan of the parents all across the room. Now, Christmas feels a little bit different as an adult, but I remember when I was a kid, I had my gift list ready to go of stuff that not I just wanted, but that I had to have, you know, you had to have as a kid. And over the years, as my list request kept getting filled, I started to expect that I deserved everything on my list. I deserved every gift that I was given because I asked for it every time no matter how often coal was threatened under the Christmas tree. And it wasn't that I was ungrateful or anything. I was so excited when I unwrapped that Tamagotchi or that Furby that I'd been begging for, just showering my parents in thanks. But when it came to unwrapping other gifts, like that school lunchbox or the new backpack, I kind of got shoved to the side. Now, at this point, you're probably thinking, what on earth does this have to do with God in a Sunday sermon, which is a great question. Well, tonight we are looking at God's kingdom values and our call as God's people to be overflowing with gratitude and grace. And as I was seeking God over this topic and praying into it, it became really clear that the way we cultivate gratitude in our lives is by encountering God's incredible gift of grace. The Hebrew word for grace comes from the word chen, gotta use the back of your throat for that one, and is most often used to describe a gift given with favour and delight. And we see this used all throughout the Old Testament to describe God's character. And the extreme kind of chen that when a gift is given to someone who does not deserve it, when instead of getting what they deserve, they are shown mercy and favour and generosity. And just like as a kid, I thought I deserved every Christmas present I asked for, I think so often we take God's generous gift of grace for granted and live in ways that say we deserve God's grace. But honestly, instead of God's generous gift of grace, what we actually deserve is the coal. And we're going to get a bit heavy here, but I really believe it is so important for us to actually understand the weight of this in order to fully experience the wonder of God's gift of grace. You see, without the darkness, we cannot fully appreciate the beauty of the light. So I'm going to be honest, I'm going to be blunt and truthful. We are undeserving of God, undeserving of a relationship with Him, undeserving of the world He has given us and undeserving of His grace. We actually saw this in our series in Romans that we just finished. In Romans 3 verses 10, it says, There is no one righteous, not even one. 
There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways and the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. I warned you we're going to get a little heavy. Not one of us. Not a single one is worthy to enter the presence of God. In fact, the Bible says that the consequences of our selfishness, our brokenness and our sin is death. Max Licardo in his book, Unshakable Hope, puts it like this. The algebra of heaven reads something like this. Heaven is a perfect place for perfect people, which leaves us in a perfect mess. According to heaven's debt clock, we owe more than we could ever repay. Every day brings more sin, more debt, and more questions like this one. Who will deliver us? We are deserving of death, and we cannot save ourselves. And I just want us to feel the weight of this to sit in this place and allow the heaviness of this to sink in. Not because I want you to feel miserable, but because I want you to fully experience the incredible joy when we encounter God's undeserved gift of grace. That same chapter in Romans 3 goes on to say this in verse 23. For everyone has sinned. We fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in His grace, freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed His life, shedding His blood. And I love the way that Paul writes it in Ephesians 2. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Here it goes again. But God is so rich in mercy and He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For He raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us all in future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of His grace and kindness shown toward us. 
as shown in all he has done for us who are united in Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. How amazing is that? One Bible scholar states that the highest form of grace is when favour is given toward those who don't deserve it. And in John 1, it describes Jesus using the Greek word charis, which is best translated as unmerited favour of God and undeserved kindness. Jesus, our undeserved, generous gift from God. How gracious is our God. I don't know about you, but just understanding that makes me want to sing and celebrate and praise and thank God. You see, our gratitude comes from a deep understanding of how undeserving we are of the incredible gift of God's grace. And by encountering the fullness of God's saving grace, we need to be overwhelmed by God's grace, overwhelmed by His generous gift that we do not deserve to the point where we are on our knees, humbled and floored by the extravagance of God's grace because of the sheer generosity of the gift and because we are so aware that we do not deserve it. That gift is enough to make us grateful in all circumstances, in light of the significance and the incredible nature of God's grace. Everything in this world just fades away. Honestly, when I think about it, I feel stupid for complaining about the weather. I feel ridiculous for grumbling about my financial situation. And I feel ungrateful for complaining about my health when I view my whole life in light of what God has done for me. My perspective changes when I understand the significance of what God has done. You may have noticed my eyesight isn't very good, which is fantastic for public speaking, not great for seeing. I have something called astigmatism. Awesome love, thank you, appreciate that. I have something called astigmatism, which means that the cornea of my eyes don't focus the light into the back of my eyes. And so when I'm not wearing my glasses, everything is blurred, my perspective is distorted, and I respond to the world based on my distorted view, leading to some bumps and bruises and a few popped car tires over the time. But when I wear my glasses, the lenses focus the light into my eyes and everything becomes clear. But tonight, I want to tell you about grace glasses. Without grace glasses, everything we see is distorted and we respond to this perspective with bitterness, grumbling and complaining. But when we put on our grace glasses, the lens of God's grace focuses his light, the light of Jesus, Jesus' light of the world and his sacrifice into our eyes. And we see clearly. Our grace glasses change our perspective. 
when we understand the profound truth of what God has done, His overflowing grace for us who are undeserving, everything looks different. How we view our lives, every situation, hardship, sickness, illness, wealth or lack thereof, loss and death. Viewing our lives through God's grace shows us that our lives and most importantly, our relationship with God is a generous gift. As God's children, we are the most blessed people in the whole world. Regardless of our situation, regardless of our health, and regardless of what we do or do not have. In response to the amazing grace God has so lovingly showered on us, our only response can be to live lives that overflow with grace and gratitude. And there is an amazing gift in this. Not only is gratitude the only possible response to what God has done for us, but has enormous benefits for our health. Research from the Harvard Medical School found that gratitude is associated with greater happiness, improved mental health by combating anxiety, and greater life satisfaction. In fact, studies have shown that people who keep a simple gratitude journal have more fulfilling relationships, better sleep, increased protection from stress and depression, are kinder, and enjoy their lives more. Another study stated that gratitude was one of the most powerful variables that personality psychologists could find when it came to predicting well-being. Over and above more known factors from wealth and health to other personality traits. The Harvard study actually recommends some ways to practice gratitude, including counting your blessings, keeping a gratitude journal, writing thank you notes, and get this, praying. Can you believe it? Harvard scholars telling us to pray for our health. How powerful is that? God, in his incredible wisdom, designed us to be grateful. And not just grateful in the good seasons, but grateful in every season. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says this, Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. We are called to be thankful in every circumstance. And Paul, who wrote this verse, suffered shipwreck, imprisonment, illness, poverty, and hardship, torture, beatings. Yet he himself declares his thankfulness in every situation. And I want to be sensitive here because I know that there are people in our community who are going through hardships that no person should ever have to go through. And I think it is so important that all of us understand the power of gratitude. I want to share with you the story of Johnny Erickson Tata. At the age of 17, Johnny suffered a fracture between the fourth and fifth cervical vertebrae after diving into shallow water at Chesapeake Bay. 
leaving her a quadriplegic and wheelchair-bound. Now, 50 years on, after struggling with depression and anger, Johnny has become an amazing artist, author, musician, and advocate for Christ. And she shares this story at a women's conference. Johnny says, honesty is always the best policy, but especially when you're surrounded by a crowd of women in a restroom during a break at a Christian women's conference. One woman putting on lipstick said, oh, Johnny, you always look so together, so happy in your wheelchair. I wish I had your joy. Several women around her nodded. How do you do it? She says, I glanced at the nicely dressed women around me. I knew that the break would soon be over. How could I answer her question in about 60 seconds? How could I sum up in a sound bite what has taken me decades of quadriplegia to learn? I don't do it, I said. That raised their eyebrows. She goes on to say, in fact, may I tell you honestly how I woke up this morning? This is an average day. After my husband Ken leaves for work at 6 a.m., I'm alone until I hear the front door open at 7 a.m. That's when my friend arrives to get me up. While I listen to her make coffee, I pray, oh Lord, my friend will soon give me a bath, get me dressed, sit me up in my chair, brush my hair, teeth, and send me out the door. I don't have the strength to face this routine one more time. I have no resources. I don't even have a smile to take into the day. But you do. May I have yours? God, I need you desperately. Looking at their expressions, I could tell that underneath the makeup and the jewelry, they too were carrying burdens. They were weary, their hearts were bruised and numb, and they were curious to know more. So what happens when your friend comes through the bedroom door? Johnny says, I turn my head toward her and give her a smile sent straight from heaven. It's not mine, it's God's. And so, I said, gesturing to my paralyzed legs, whatever joy you see today was hard won this morning. And it's the only way to live. It's the Christian way to live. The break was over and it was time to move on. That evening, many of the women went home with weary bodies, swollen ankles and sore feet to face broken garbage disposals, indifferent husbands and rebellious children. I hope that the women also went home knowing that they can go desperately and urgently to God for his grace. And when speaking about gratitude, Johnny shared this. She says, I remember many years ago feeling trapped by my wheelchair. Then a friend showed me 1 Thessalonians 5, where it says, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. At first, I didn't understand. How could I possibly give thanks for a life of total paralysis? But that's when my friend wisely said, Johnny, the Bible doesn't say to feel thankful. You can't possibly do that. But it does say to give thanks. Giving thanks has nothing to do with feeling thankful. There's a big difference between trusting God and having trustful feelings. 
Well, it sounded doable, she says. And so I started small, started giving thanks for the little things, and over time, God rewarded me for taking those first shaky steps of faith. He rewarded me with feelings of thankfulness. She goes on to say, as a matter of fact, God isn't asking you to be thankful. He's asking you to give thanks. There's a big difference. One response involves emotions. The other, your choices, your decisions about a situation, your intent, your step of faith. We all have a choice to make tonight. Do we allow the things of this world and our circumstances to dictate our happiness? Or do we choose to look at this life that God has graciously given us through the lens of grace, understanding that no matter our situation, we have so much to be thankful for. There may be days in our lives when everything is falling apart around us. And the only thing we can find to be thankful is God himself. But can I tell you, he is enough. God's word says that he is enough to give thanks and be grateful in every circumstance. It is a promise that we cling to that gives us strength to worship our gracious God in every season, in every valley and on every mountaintop. Because our gratitude does not come from our situation, but from God himself. Do we see God as the ultimate thing to be grateful for in our lives? Or do we look at the things we're given rather than the incredible creator himself? To close tonight, I wanna leave you with a picture about what it looks like to not look at the things around us, but to look at the awe-inspiring, gracious character of our creator. Let's take a look at the screens. What a God. What power. Why did he lavish such a universe upon a creature like us? Why isn't that overdoing it? What a universe. And what a God. God rejoices in the works of creation because they point us beyond themselves to God. God does mean for us to be stunned and awed by his creation, but not for its own sake. He means for us to say, if the work of God's hands is so abundant with power and wisdom and majesty and grandeur and beauty, what must God be like? What must the Creator be like if the flinging out of His fingers is so majestic and grand and great and glorious? In the end, it's not going to be the seas. It's not going to be the ocean. It's not going to be the deserts or the flowers or the mountains. It's not going to be the grand galaxies. It's going to be God Himself that satisfies the soul 
Nothing short of God will do. The infinite expanses of the galaxies will not satisfy my longing for grandeur. Only the Maker Himself. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Heavenly Father, we come before you now and we thank you for the gift of your grace that we so do not deserve. Father, we are broken and we are flawed and yet in your great love, you lavished grace upon us. Father, help us in our situations, in our everyday, in every circumstance, to see our lives through the lens of your grace, to see that the things of this world fade away compared to the eternal hope and the joy that we have in you. Help us to cling to your generous gift of grace, that we may worship you, Father, in every circumstance. Lord, we are so grateful to you. Grateful that you gave us your son, Jesus, that we may have an eternal hope, that we do not have to suffer the consequences of sin. Instead, we can be in your presence, redeemed, saved, called and loved. Father, we are so grateful, so grateful for your son, so grateful for your grace, grateful for creation, grateful for the lives you've given us. Father, help us when the things of this world try to blind us and distract us and block our view from your grace. Give us strength to turn back to you. Give us perspective to see that you are in control. You're not calling us to be thankful about situations, but you are calling us to be thankful in every situation, Father. And we have so much to be thankful for. Lord, would you change our hearts, open our eyes to see your grace, that we may, that we may respond with hearts overflowing with gratitude, pouring out onto those around us, that our witness may proclaim with confidence the assurance we have in you, the hope we have in you, the joy we have in you. Father, we love you and we thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Would you stand as we worship together?
We honour you tonight and we thank you tonight. And I just thought it'd be right and appropriate in this moment just to take a moment to give you thanks and praise, uh, to show our gratitude for all that you've done for us, Lord. And so just in this moment, why don't you just in, the, in, in your head and in your heart, why don't you just pray, give Him thanks, give Him honour, give Him praise for what He's done. Think about the things that He's done in your heart and, and honour Him in this moment. Why don't you do that now? you and every every uh, prayer uh, we pray right now, Lord, is for you and for your glory. We, we honour you tonight. You've made a way so that we can know you, great God. And because of your grace and because of your mercy, we want to give back to you, Lord. And so just one more time, I think it's right and appropriate just to worship you, to lift you up on high, to magnify the Creator of the universe, King of kings and Lord of lords. Let's just worship Him one more time, church. Let's honour Him tonight. Um, no, 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 wait, stop, stop, stop. You can't clap like that. That sounds like a golf clap. We're talking about the Creator of the universe. And so let's give Him a cheer. Let's give Him a shout of praise. Let's honour Him. Father God, we honour You tonight. You're amazing and incredible. Father, why wouldn't we want to give our lives to You, great God? And so we just thank You. It's true, our words aren't enough to, uh, uh, to show our gratitude to all that You've done for us, Lord. Uh, but we honour You tonight and we thank You. I want to pray. I want to pray for every single one of us this week and as we go uh, our separate ways, as we go about what You've called us to do, great God. I just pray that You'd use us. And I pray, Father, that when you, uh, we'd do it with a heart of gratitude and thankfulness that the Creator of the universe wants to use me. That's amazing. And so I thank You, Lord, that You're going to use us this week. And uh, we just uh, are so grateful for that, Lord. So, so bless 
and move and lead us, we pray. And we just thank You and honour You tonight in Jesus' mighty Name. Amen. Amen. Hey, really good to have you here tonight. Great to have you online as well. One last thing I do want to mention. If you are able and willing to help out, we're going to do a big uh, big chair pack up uh, after the service. So you don't have to do it straight away. But when you get a chance, packing chairs up in uh, sets of five, that'd be great. And uh, ready for the gala on Saturday night. But God bless you. Have an awesome week. And we'll see you soon.